The retail industry is changing fast. And now, more than ever before, retailers are realizing they need to figure out how to keep up. So what's the first question you should be asking yourself? Well, I'll tell you. How does AI fit into your business? With over two decades of experience, our AI data engine connects 150 plus enterprise and cloud system data connectors. With tracking on over 4 billion SKUs, Edited helps retailers leverage the best in AI-driven data and insights to succeed. In this mini-series, we'll bring the insights straight to you. With the help of Edited's president, John Squire, and senior vice president of retail sciences, Michael Ross. Subscribe now to Edited Inside Retail and take a listen to our Tech Talk mini-series, where commerce and technology meet to discuss the latest trends shaping the global retail landscape, helping you solve the everyday challenges you are facing in your business. I'll be your host, Grace Hill, Retail Strategy Director at Edited. You can find this mini-series as part of the main Edited podcast feed, and you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. It's great to have John Squire, um, Edited's president and senior vice president of retail sciences, Michael Ross, back for another installment of this mini series. John, of course, you're in Silicon Valley and Michael, you're here with me in London. How are you? I'm very well. Good. Thanks, Grace. Great. Well, in the first four episodes of this series, we pulled together a lot of information for our listeners on the topics of how AI and data are driving major change in the world of commerce and how that change is impacting customers' buying behavior. But today, let's look at what retail professionals can actually do to leverage these insights to make better decisions for their businesses. John, for those who want to use this technology, really, where should they start? The piece here is designing the experiments around decisions that can scale. And then the big question from there is how do we make them scale? Is this, you know, do we bring on more people or can we actually build systems and processes that can be automated? I think those are the tough questions uh, that retail executives have to bring themselves uh, to answer uh, because it's really easy to uh, look for insights in the business, but realize that these are not scalable decisions and actions that you can take. They're really interesting. Um, they they uh, are uh you can be curious about them, but they're not going to move the needle of the business overall. I, I think, Grace, your your question is, you know, where do people start? Uh, we, we certainly, you know, I think the thing that we're hearing more and more frequently is that the rate of change uh, that retailers are experiencing right now is, you know, unlike anything they've uh, done before. So let me let me just uh, say that one more time. It's the rate of change. Change has always been a part of retail, but it's how fast things are changing and how quickly consumers are, you know, moderating how their behaviors. That's something that retail organizations haven't seen in the past. So in one sense, uh, it's how to, how to, how do retail organizations understand that? Um, so that's the, the concept around we need to have a more connected view of the business, be able to get to the insights faster. Those insights will, uh, lend, will lead towards more intelligent decisions uh, within the business. But ultimately, it's how do we embrace this, you know, kind of change and velocity of uh, operating the business. Michael, what's your take? Too often businesses say, well, I want to I want to reduce my churn or I want to improve my inventory efficiency. But if those are not well stated problems, um, what you often find is you have vague outcomes, um, people, you know, fiddle around for a bit and then conclude it was all too hard. 
if you actually do the work the 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 you know do the upfront work to actually quantify how how good or bad are we at this decision today it's really really helpful to both understand what would a meaningful improvement look like but also how can i measure and monitor success along the way and, and let me give you some examples about this because when when this when this works well it can be it can be very magical um, um we were working with um one client um a fashion retailer who came to us um, with a churn problem they said look we've got a lot of customers who are buying once or twice and then and then not coming back again um and we are sending them promotions um ever more desperate promotions if they haven't bought for three months six months and nine months but they're not they're not working um and so the first thing we looked at was um these churned customers are they actually browsing the website and opening their emails or are they completely disengaged and what we saw was that a lot of these churned customers were actually still very very highly engaged in the business they were browsing the website regularly they were opening their emails they just hadn't bought anything so the first thing was to recognize we had this very large group of sort of engaged lapsing customers so the next question became well what are they browsing um, and then when we looked at what products they were browsing at the website and looked at the individual customer size what we could see was that typically the the retailer was out of stock of the products in the saw in the customer size that they were browsing and this was a hugely profound insight this business went from thinking that they had a churn issue to realizing they had a fringe size availability issue they were systematically out of stock of their very small sizes and their very large sizes and and this problem was worth by solving it was worth tens of millions of pounds so the answer was to take money out of these blunt expensive and ineffective marketing promotions and put them into firstly buying more fringe sizes but then to say well can we use ai and machine learning to be much cleverer about what size distributions we should be buying for different types of products and this for me is a sort of great example of reframing the problem it happened that there was a really visionary marketing director who recognized that he wanted to be very um open-minded about what was causing churn and equally was the first to put up his hand and saying look let's take some of my marketing budget and invest it in improving the customer experience um and that is not a typical response unfortunately of marketing directors i really like that example michael i mean because it it crossed so many different aspects of the business whether that was the uh uh, the assortment uh, and range uh, kind of decisions early on, uh, what were the open to buys along the way. And, you know, ultimately it was, you know, all tied back to individual customers. And, you know, I think in the, as you kind of explain that, you know, whether that's an apparel customer, a footwear customer, um, accessories customers, you know, these are things that uh, are certainly uh, kind of endemic in each one of those businesses. Uh, I also thought, uh, you know, as you were going through that, you know, we just recently were working with one of our uh, customers that's in, you know, a completely different industry uh, in the hardware industry and, you know, had made the decision that they wanted to move from, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of products that they offer online to millions of products that they offer online. And that was a, you know, a strategic decision 
uh, for that business in terms of, you know, wanting to be able to have a much wider offering for their customers. And, you know, to do that in a really fast paced way uh, to extend their catalog, it meant, you know, bringing on a wide range of uh, drop shipped products uh, that were, you know, offered on their business. And so, you know, I thought, uh, you know, one of the analyses that uh, you and the uh, data science team had done, you know, just to understand what what did that impact have, you know, on the uh, promise uh, delivery on promise uh, aspects and how did that kind of what was the when you broke it apart and looked across the distribution, it certainly, you know, uh, painted a very different picture than what the average was in terms of uh, how well uh, products were being uh, kind of serviced and delivered out to the consumer and what that consumer experience was. I was wondering if, you know, if that's something that you, you know, could dive into a little bit more and just kind of the range of kind of uh, experiences that customers had and what that meant to the, to the business as they started to think about how do they just tighten up and ensure that the overall customer expectation and experience is uh, aligned uh, for that business as they, you know, grow from a product standpoint of, you know, less than a million SKUs to 5 million SKUs in their business. Yeah, John, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it, it is true as, as many retailers start embracing marketplaces, um, marketplaces of a very alluring in that, you know, you can, you can have a, a, a massively expanded range without having to take inventory risk. Um, and so when you start thinking about these marketplaces, um, you know, what's not to like, you know, you, you, you can, you can basically massively increase your range, drive up your conversion rate, um, you know, make money with very, very low risk. Um, but there are some unintended consequences. And one of them is to lose control of the delivery experience. This was a great early insight from Amazon, which is they realized that the delivery on promise um, was probably the single most important um, customer centric metric. You know, are you delivering to customers when you told them you would? And actually had a had a great um, early story when 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 Jeff Bezos started measuring this. Um, the first um, three or four weeks he was presented with their delivery on promise data. It was like a hundred percent, you know, your delivery on promise Amazon is a hundred percent. And, and, and firstly, it was interesting. This was being presented right up to the CEO it was not a logistics measure. This was a CEO measure. Um, and secondly, Bezos being very data curious said, I don't believe it. I simply don't believe that any of these measures would ever be a hundred percent. And so the data science team went away and looked at the data. And what they found was that. Um, this was at a point where Amazon was regularly, you know, you, you, you place an order and Amazon would say your, your books will be delivered on the 4th of July. And then a few days later, it said, very, very sorry. It's not going to be the 4th of July. It's going to be the 20th of July. And they were measuring their delivery on promise on the last date promised, not the first date promised. And so that was again a great insight to then say, no, 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 we're not trying to flatter ourselves. We want to understand our customers experience and. So this idea of saying, you know, as you build marketplaces and you massively expand your range, how do you instrument the business to truly understand when the customer places the buy button, you know, what was their expectation of when their order would be shipped and delivered? And then are you consistently doing that? And we see that, again, all of our experience, when you look at um, churn and you look at retail customers and retailers where 
customers, you know, place a first order and then very rarely come back and, and place a second order. And you go and talk to customers and understand, well, what was the reason that you didn't come back? Um, delivery issues are probably the single most important. And I would say availability are then the second most important. So when you then understand that end to end, well, then then you start delivering some really interesting insights. One of the insights for, for one of our clients recently was to say, actually, You've got a constraint and you've got constrained warehouse capacity. And so you are having to make trade-offs. Why is it that every customer should get the same delivery experience? And how can you deliver a fantastic experience for your best customers and potentially for your newest customers? And then maybe if some customers have to suffer, well, then you can make a trade-off. And so they delivered this concept of, of, a, of a top of the queue experience, where if a high value customer placed an order, they would go straight to the front of the delivery queue. Um, and it's a really simple, nice idea um, where you can give a kind of an, an enhanced, um, superior experience to your highest value customers. And so I think, again, what this speaks to is one of our continuing themes of um, technology is both an amazing enabler and also a, a significant blocker. Um, and that has to be a constant source of innovation to understand how do we continue to innovate with our technology to allow us to constantly be improving our customer experience. I think our listeners are going to find this really helpful. Thank you both. If you enjoyed our conversation today, make sure you subscribe to the edited podcast where you can stay up to date on all future episodes of our Tech Talk series. You can also check us out on edited.com to learn more about our product suite and how our customers use our technology every single day. You've been listening to the Edited Podcast Tech Talk mini-series with Edited's President, John Squire, and Senior Vice President of Retail Sciences, Michael Ross. And I've been your host, Grace Hill. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>